She said, I can't believe y'all don't see anything that needs doing. Well, we wasn't looking for anything. <laughs> Welcome back to The Grand Project, a podcast where grandparents share their stories of growing up and growing old. I'm Kitty Janvrin, and today I'm interviewing my grandmommy, Maxine, who is my mom's mom. She lives in North with Doc, who is featured on our first episode, and she's a hardworking woman just as my great-grandmother was before her. It's incredible to me how sharp her recollection still is of playing make-believe as a child, She also went on to have a career, which I think she kind of underplays here, but it makes me realize how much her passion for working and working in an area that you really love has seeped from her to my mother to me. Here's Grandmommy. Good morning. (laughs) This is Maxine Owen. I live in North South Carolina. May I ask you how old you are? I'm 87 years old, and I feel every year of it. (laughs) I haven't felt good at all during this pandemic. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm bored. Well, I think most of the world probably is. So do you know what a podcast is? I do not. Well, this might become a podcast. All right. So. If it's it's not anything bad, I guess it's all right. (laughs) It'll only be bad if you say something bad. So I guess I'll start with your parents. So I knew your mother, who was my great-grandmother, and she lived to be 99, almost 100. Right. And how would you describe your parents? Hardworking, Christian, very strict. Strict in which way? My sister, the oldest one especially, called it, but the rest of us kind of got by, like Dayton and um, lipstick. They wouldn't let you wear lipstick? They didn't think, you know, you didn't wear it until you were a little older. You know, you first teenager, you had to have problems with that. After that, it was, you know, all right, because it was there in the house, we just put it on. <laughs> Were any of you or your siblings rebellious because of that? Not like they are today. <laughs> Nobody outside the family knew, you know. You didn't go around talking that. My daddy won't let me do this. Oh. Because we knew he was lost when he said something. Mm. Mama was not as bad. What was it like growing up in your house? Hard work. He lived on a farm. We had cows chickens, pigs, anything that required work. Of course, the cow had to be milked. I never did learn how. You never learned? I knew how to make butter. You passed that chore off, though, to somebody else, the milking of the cow? Mama. My mama did it, as, you know, as long as she was able to. Mm-hmm. And then if she was having a baby or something and couldn't, then we had somebody else do it. And that was your first job then, I guess, working the farm. Right. We had to bring in wood every night because we burned wood in the fireplace or the heater. And you had to have kindling to start the fire. We did that. So that was really our first chores. 
And the other one was we had to rake the yards. We didn't have grass in the yard. It was just plain dirt. And so you had to rake. We had flower beds, but we didn't have, you know, just lawn grass. And where did you grow up? I grew up in Nisus, outside of Nisus, about three miles out of Nisus, I think it is, maybe two. And I, I really, we lived further than that. We lived on my grandfather's place, one of the first memories I've got. Oh, really? He had a tenant house. You know what that is? I do know what that is. And uh, there was nobody in it, so my mom and daddy got it. And that's where we lived till I was four. And then we moved to another house about a mile away or so. And uh, that was my great-grandmother's house. Oh, really? And it belonged to my great-aunt. But she rented it out for $2 a year. $2 a year? $2 a year. I need to get my rent down that low. <laughs> <laughs> and she always came to see us, my great-aunt that owned the house at that time, when the scuffinongs got ripe. She would always make a trip to Nisus. She lived in Wagner, which was, I guess, 20 miles away, I don't know. And, um, but she always came and got scuffinongs every summer. When you were in the tenant house on your grandfather's property, how many of you were living there? Because you were four and you have some siblings who... Um, there was Mary mm -hmm. and Maren, which were older than me, and then me and Christine was there. So it was the four girls. Four of us. And right. then your young brother, Kenneth, was born when you were in the other house? And Kenneth and Jackie was born after we moved. I don't know what they call that place. And then when I was 15, my grandfather and no, I guess my grandmother, my grandfather died when I was four, and I remember going to his funeral, and that is all I remember. And somebody picked me up, and I looked in the casket, and my grandfather was in there, and he had a rose in his lapel, and I remembered that, and that is all I remembered about him. I didn't remember either one of my granddaddies mm -hmm. other than that. And I think both of them died the same year. Yeah. That must have been hard on your parents. Yeah. And uh, when I was 15, Daddy bought a, a farm that had belonged to his daddy. Well, I mean, he did, didn't have to pay full price because part of the inheritance, mm -hmm. you know, whatever he would have inherited otherwise, was put on that. And so he paid $1,100 for that. But I don't think it was but but twenty five acres of land, farming land. Mm -hmm. I mean that's a little more expensive than the two dollars a year <laughs> for the other place. This house was a lot warmer, and the the house that my grandparents had lived in was like a ice box, and it had the kitchen and dining room separate from the rest of the house. You had to walk in a breezeway. And in the wintertime, it was a breeze <laughs> to get to the kitchen and dining room. But they built the houses like that for a reason, because when they burned down, they were usually started in the kitchen. Mm. And they could use to get the fire out before it reached the Rest four the bedrooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it had four bedrooms. Did you have running water? No, we didn't have running water. 
We, there was a pump on the back porch, but it never did work for us. So we had to use a well. That was another little job you had to do. You had to go out and draw a bucket of water. What was your least favorite chore? Chickens. Chickens? You had to go in a messy chicken house. <laughs> there was stuff on the ground. And of course, in the summer, we were barefooted. And you know what that meant. It was between your toes. <laughs> so what would the kids do for fun when you were growing up? Oh, we had a playhouse. And we would take boards and make us a room, you know, put four boards around. That would be our room. And then we had a Sears and Roebuck catalog. And we'd look at it and we would say, now this is what I'm going to wear today. And pick out a dress in there. <laughs> You know, just play. And those were the big catalogs, right? Yeah, but I still got some. You want one? I think I've seen them before. I think we've looked through them. Yeah, I still got them. I threw out, I think I threw out some the other day because I got, somehow got started to throw it out one day and I kept on doing it. But um, we would play with tin cans. When Mama would empty tin cans, we would play with those and with, that would be part of our dishes in our playhouse. And we would use leaves. We'd make like that was bread and put a piece of pine bark between it and make out like that was a hamburger. <laughs> and we had a hamburger stand one time. Oh. Play. Right. And uh, for money, we used little pieces of glass because when you broke dishes, you had little pieces of glass everywhere. And so that would be our money. And Bobby Fogel, that owns Giant Food World, mm -hmm. He would play with us, and he would bring his broken glass, and he would, we'd say, that's a quarter, and he would give it to us, and then he'd come back again, and we'd say, that milkshake was a nickel. He'd give it the same piece of glass. <laughs> Didn't matter if it was bigger, you know, we right. just, but that's how we played. And it was fun, and we for, for phones, we had 10 cans, we'd put a phone. <laughs> We had phones in our playhouse. Wow. And we had a barn out there. And it was made out of poles. You ever seen a house made out of poles? Log cabin? Mm-hmm. And I was talking on the phone, play. I had my arm up on the log. And I looked and there was a snake. <laughs> and of course you couldn't kill it because it was between the logs. But we had a lot of snakes down at that house. And one bit Kenneth one night in the barn, it was about dark. And of course the doctors were closed and everything, but they took him on to Nisus, to the doctor and Nisus, and the doc he just said it wasn't poisonous. But he didn't tell us to do anything. So the next morning, Mama took him to Denmark to another doctor. And he said, if you had brought him yesterday, he would have gone to school today because he said, all you have to do is take a towel and put it in hot, salted water, and that will draw the poison out. So she did that, and he was back at school the next day. Wow. But How old was he? Must have been he fairly was, young. He must have been in school, so he must have been first or second grade. I'll have to ask him how old was he in that first name. And he's been bits again since then. <laughs> Were you closer with any of your siblings, or closer to one than you were with the others? 
Well, I like I didn't like my older sister because she was a boss, <laughs> you know, and Mama would leave her in charge of us. She was the little Mama. Yeah, yeah, she would tell us what to do. But one time, Mama left me as the boss with Christine, Jackie, and Kenneth, and it was about this time of year, August, and a storm came up, lightning and thunder, and we got in a corner of a room that had one window because we were so scared, and I cried myself, and my little sister, Christine and Jackie, and Kenneth wasn't crying, but I was so scared that lightning was going to hit that house and kill us. It was a, I don't know why Mama left me with those, because this time of year, you never know when it's going to pour down rain. They said it was probably rain this afternoon. So I was so glad to see Mama come home. But I had a terrible, and after that I was so scared of lightning. Before that I wasn't, but after that, I just, uh, it just terrified me. But you survived. <laughs> I did. We survived a lot of things. And my mama survived a lot more than we did, you know. She went through times when they were rode in buggies and they didn't have cars. But now after they, mom and daddy got married, they did have a car. But um, she went through the Great Depression too. She did. She did. And bought material to make us dresses for five cents a yard. And a dozen eggs was about five cents. There was no cash. Mm-hmm. That was what's so hard, you know. Especially farmers, they don't, they work all the time. And if they sell a pig or a cow or things like that, that's when they have cash. Otherwise, they don't have a check. Well, they do now have uh, Social Security checks and things coming in when they're old. But um, when they're young, so my daddy quit farming and he went to work in construction work because President Roosevelt was in and he had roads built everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. And he drove a caterpillar, you know, and scraped roads and okay. did that kind of stuff to get cash, and he would do that for a while, and then he quit farming, and he just did that, and we had some money, and because they were gonna draft him. Now, he had six children and a wife, and they were gonna draft him in the army, because it was World War II, see? Mm-hmm. Well, um, he said, hey, Andy, where am I gonna keep from going to the army. And so he went to see this gentleman in Norway that was a, he had a farm and he lent money, you know, to farmers and he was, I don't know what you would call him today, but, uh, and that man told him, he said, quit that job on the, doing world construction and um, start farming. So he did. He started farming and they would tell you what the kind of plants to plant. He said, you got to plant peanuts because peanuts made peanut oil. Mm -hmm. And that was important with the war oil, any kind of oil for the war effort. And everything was rationed. You can get only so much sugar, so much. Um, Now, of course, we had our own eggs and we had cane syrup, so we didn't have to worry about sugar a whole lot. 
But my aunt that lived in Charleston would come up to our house and tell Daddy if he had any food stamps that he hadn't used, that she wanted them. Because, wow. see, he got a good many because had, we had six children. So we got a good many. Shoes were rationed, tires, gasoline, and I don't remember everything else because I was a child during that time. But I, I do remember him talking about that kind of stuff. And you were one of the first in your family to go to college. I was, and that was because we had a good Methodist preacher. And he came to the house when I was a senior in high school. And it said, Maxine, what you going to do when you finish? And I said, I guess I'll do what Mary and Marin did. They went to Orangeburg and got a job. Mm-hmm. First job Marin got was in the dime store. And she was so cute. And also they put her at the popcorn machine at the front of the store, right at the front. As soon as you walked in, she was there with the popcorn machine. And then they, somebody came in there and saw her and said, um, I want you to come to work for the telephone company. So she went to work for the telephone company. So naturally when Mary finished high school, they, uh, she went to the telephone company too. So I, I figured that's where I would end up. But the preacher said, no, said there's a college that you can go to and work your way through. So Mama said, yeah. She was really behind me. But now Daddy didn't particularly like the idea of me going all the way to Spartanburg, which was where we, this college was. And so um, I applied, and of course that's where I went. Mm-hmm. After that, of course, Christy and Jackie and no, Kenneth went to Carolina. He didn't go to Spartanburg. So, I mean, that must have really changed your life then, you know, being told that there was this opportunity for you to oh, work. Oh, it was, and I loved I, I cried for the first September, October, November, December. I cried. Every day I was so homesick. I had never been away from home before. Except with my sisters or my grandmother or somewhere. Right, you always had family with you. Yes, just like going on vacation, you know. I never, but I'd never been by myself, and I was so homesick. That is the most terrible feeling. The trains came right through, you know, town and in Spartanburg, and every time I'd hear those trains, because we had a railroad track just a couple miles from us, and you could hear the trains. I was so homesick every time I'd hear those trains going through. So finally, Mama said, Maxine, you don't have to go back. She said, just stay home. And I said, no, I want to. I love it up there. (laughs) And that was by Christmas time. And so, you know, you just have to struggle through those things. What were you studying? Business. Business courses. And I had... I'd had most of them in high school, see, so it was easy for me. It was shorthand, typing, bookkeeping. I did take a course in history, and had English both years. Did you ever have a profession that you were really aspiring to, especially when you were younger, something that you wanted to be? When I wanted you grew to be up? a school teacher, because that's about the only thing we saw, you sure. know, college graduation. College graduates did was teach school. Did you have a favorite subject in school? History. History. I was really good in history, and I, I was all right in just arithmetic. But when it got to algebra and you know trigonometry and stuff, I didn't do real well then. 
but I didn't have a real good teacher. I didn't. It's funny, Doc said the same thing about one of his classes, yeah. his math classes. And did you ever, once you, you know, were in college and getting closer to graduating, did you ever think about really pursuing becoming a teacher? I did think about going to Winthrop. Okay. Because I heard they had a work-study program. But if I had gone to Winthrop, Christine wouldn't have gone to college at all. You know, I feel like you and all of my great aunts and great uncles were really raised to be very independent. I mean, you know, you had that drive. You all did, whether, you know, it was the, your sisters who went straight to work or those of you who got to go to school. Do you think that came from how hardworking your parents were? And my mother was behind us always. And she made sure we got to church on Sunday. And she, when we didn't go to church, she would sit and read us a Bible story because she believed in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And she's a strong Christian. Well, Daddy was too, but he didn't do... In fact, he joined... He had gone to the Baptist church before he married. But then he, when we married Mama, he joined the Methodist church. And he went. And he, when he got a little older and more mature, he taught Sunday school. But he only liked to teach the Old Testament because it was history. And history was his thing. Mama said he taught the history class in school. The teacher would just let him. So you think you may have gotten some of your interest from your father? I know I did because when we came home from school with all our new books, mm -hmm. where's your history book? And he always, you know, when we give him Christmas presents, we'd give him history stories and all kind of stuff like that. Do you think you were more like great-grandmama, or do you think you were more like him? Or a little bit of both? A little bit of both, because he, um, he wasn't a, a, he was and he wasn't. There was times when he was, you know, he'd get out and play baseball with us if we were playing in the backyard with a slab for a bat a <laughs> and a rubber ball, rubber ball. And of course you could sail it a mile. Because <laughs> it was rubber. We didn't have a hard ball, you know. Uh -huh. And he would get out there and play with us. And, and sometimes, right when we weren't expecting it, he'd say, y'all want to go swimming? And we'd, he'd take us to the pond, those ponds, foreign ponds around. And you could go there and just swim in murky water. <laughs> it wasn't clear. And of course it had frogs and uh, some snakes, probably. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> he was a type that liked it. Saturday he would say, Emily, let's go out to dinner. And she would be so busy cooking for Sunday and cleaning up everything. And and she she just wasn't one to socialize like that. And Daddy would get so mad at her because they went to the barbecue place one night. And... Uh, he said, Emily, order what you want. And Mama said, I want a child's plate. Well, they didn't fix her one. Because you had to fix your own one, you know. Mm -hmm. And so she just went and sat down with nothing. And Daddy was so embarrassed, he didn't know what to do. And so they said, does she not want to eat? And Mama said, I wanted a child's plate. And I didn't know how to tell them. I just needed, I just wanted a very tiny bit of food. But um, it embarrassed Daddy. Oh, he was so embarrassed. He said, I'm not going to do that again. 
<laughs> so she was just very frugal. She was trying to just. Well, she didn't. You know, they had how they can fill your plates. Mm -hmm. Somebody fills them and give you all this food, and you don't really. Not, and she wasn't hungry for it, and she didn't know she could take it home with her. I don't think. Back then, you'd, I don't remember ever taking food home with me from a restaurant. Sure, and she didn't want to waste anything. I mean. she, you're right. And we drank skim milk all our lives because she saved the cream for butter. Oh. But it, at least we had the milk. Absolutely. And, and we didn't need that fat cream anyway, but we ate it. We ate cream and syrup. For dessert? For dessert and bit hot biscuits. It was good. It's delicious. <laughs> it is. And of course we ate butter when she made it. We would eat butter and syrup. What did you do to work through college? Worked in the kitchen. I um, was a waitress in the dining room at supper, but I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go out there to help cook breakfast. And we cooked eggs and grits and I think I'm just trying to think. We had rolls for um, bread, you know. We didn't have just biscuits, but they were yeast rolls. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I gained my weight. That <laughs> freshman 15. <laughs> I did. I did do that. I, and Christine and Jackie did, too. I feel like it's a rite of passage. <laughs> and it was so good. But and then the meals were so regular, you know, because we ate in the dining room right there. We we didn't know anything about eating out because we didn't have any money anyway, cash money. When they sent me money, they would send a dollar or two dollars, and that would be enough to buy toothpaste, Kotex, <laughs> and a stamp to write home. And what did you do after you graduated? I came home. And I applied for this job in Orangeburg and got it. What well, what was the job? Job was with applied engineering, and with my first year I did typing, and filing. I can't remember whether I worked with invoices that year or not. It seems like I did. I did type invoices. Yeah, I did because I hated it. <laughs> you make an error, you know. Back then you had to erase. And it was, had a carbon copy in it, and you had to go back and erase the carbon copy. That, that was the main thing that I did. Well, then after I'd been there for a year, the bookkeeper asked me how to do something one day. And I, I said, you can't do it that way. She said, I'm just going to make a journal entry, because you can make a journal entry and say to correct invoice number so-and-so and in the amount of so-and-so. But that wasn't something you could do to this entry. And I said, Bernice, you can't do that. And um, so finally, Itney was my boss. I-T-N-E-Y. You don't hear that name now. Well, they, her brother couldn't say sister, and he said Itney. And it stuck. It stuck the rest of her life. Huh. Her name was Mary. <laughs> but it, he was calling her sister. But anyway, she fired Bernice and gave me the bookkeeping job and I loved it. I loved everything about it. Even, you know, when you had an error and you had to look for it all day. And sometimes when we would close the books at the end of the year, I would work late and then sometimes she would let me bring the books home with me and work at night. 
to close them because the closing the books was just zeroing out everything. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And then uh, I got married while I was there. And um, I applied for a job in Columbia and I got it. It was with GMAC, which was General Motors Acceptance Corporation. Mm-hmm. And it um, was when people buy cars and can't pay for them, they finance them. So you had to work that out, how much that car payments would be and how much all that. And did you enjoy that? Oh, I loved that too. But then I got pregnant and got the flu at the same time. And so I was out for like a week or two. When I, and I found out I was pregnant, that wasn't really, the, but I had come home that weekend and they had the flu at home and I took it back with me. So um, I worked till six weeks before Peter was born at that job, which was the best job I ever had because um, one day we, they gave us checks and I said, why are they giving out checks today? And it was a cost of living check because General Motors was a big corporation. And if the price of living went up, they gave you a check to cover it. And so I went back to Orangeburg and I said, I, said, I got a cost of living check. I said, I didn't even know what that was. Must have been a nice surprise though. Oh, it was. What was it like to be, to find out that you were gonna have your first child? Oh, I was sick. I was terribly sick. Morning sickness? Morning sickness. But I worked and one day I, I was at work and I said, oh, Lord, I gotta go to the bathroom. I'm gonna lose my dinner, my lunch. And I was in there throwing up my head. And one girl said, Are you pregnant? I said, I think I am. <laughs> but I, I finished working up until six weeks before Peter was born. And uh, I didn't even go back after he was born because Paul had graduated and had a job. Did you always want to be a mother? Oh, I love being a mother. And those little babies, oh, I love them so much. And when they, they say when they're young, they step on your toes, but when they're old, they step on your heart. And that's so true, you know. That hurts my heart to hear you say that. Because <laughs> it's true. When you live there, you can get your toes out from under them, but you, you can't get it out of your heart like that. It just breaks your heart if they talk back to you and say, I'll do what I need to do and I will need your advice. After that job, I went back to Orangeburg. We moved to Orangeburg from Columbia after Paul graduated. And uh, the girl that had taken my job at Applied Engineering was pregnant and she needed somebody to come in and work so she could go out and have the baby. Well, the baby ended up having a cleft palate. So I had to go back in again then while they had the baby operated on because it was real, you know, you had to be real particular, not peculiar, but real particular with feeding them because their lip was, was split. Did you like working while you were a mother or was it very difficult? It was hard to leave Beto, but I did have a good maid and and she would cook and uh, 
take care of Pedro, and she called me one day and she said, Pedro was jumping on the bed and he fell off, bit his lip in half. I ran home and got him and took him to the hospital. And the doctor said, I can sew up the outside, but the inside will have to heal by itself. Said, because if you sew it up, it won't, you know, it just come loose. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, I didn't like that because I thought if I had been home, he wouldn't have been jumping on the bed. <laughs> then we bought the drugstore and moved to North. And um, we had this man keeping books for us. I don't know if it was the state. It was no, it was the IRS. Uh, came in one day and said you didn't pay your payroll taxes on time, and so we took it from him. And I, and I started keeping books with the drugstore and did that for 25 years. Did you like working with Doc? I didn't work with him. See, I had my little office. Kind of like I was in here and he was in there. So there was some separation. <laughs> I did not mess with the drugs. Or, oh, of course. Or prescriptions or unless he told me, he said, can you take this prescription around to somebody's house? I wouldn't do that. But uh, and he didn't mess with my books. I would do the books in there in the dining room. In fact, I wore a place off in the table where <laughs> the book. What's that? The book was that big. Maybe not big. It was, you know, just a big old book, and uh, but, but we had a accountant in Columbia that closed everything out at the end of the year and told us how much income tax we needed to pay and that sort of thing. But I did like bookkeeping. That was my thing. I don't know what I'd done if I hadn't gotten that. But you did, and yeah, I did. So. My mom is your youngest child. You had two boys and then two girls. And that's what I wanted. Really? I did. Four was Four. always the idea. I liked a big family. I was brought up with one and I liked one. Mm -hmm. And you will probably be the same way. You, you know, you, Lisa had a sister and Peter had a brother and, you know, it just worked out because they, could sh they had to share a room, but that's all right. Mm -hmm. You learned to share. You learned to share everything with siblings. That's right. Was it difficult for you when the you know when your last child was off in college? Oh Lord, I, I, I was still working at the drugstore. I think we might not have been, but I think we were. Yeah, well, like I say, I think it was twenty-five years, but I'm not positive because we moved here in 1965, but I can't remember when we retired. That's okay. <laughs> of course, Paul worked five more years because he worked for Walmart after he sold the drugstore because he was too young to draw anything, Social Security or anything. That's the story of my life. <laughs> and of course, we joined the North Methodist Church and that was our outlet fun and friends, because that's where you make your friends, especially when you're grown and adults. You make your friends at church, in a small town especially. Mm -hmm. Did you always want to stay in a small town? I was very happy here. When I was a child, I used to dream about living in town, in a small town. Really? Yes, I did. I thought it would be fun, and it was. And of course, my children started working at the drugstore they were like 12 years old. Clay started when he was seven. He wow. would go up there and say, Daddy, if I go 
you have to just trash and go to the post office. Will you give me a quarter? <laughs> and Paul said, yeah. Yeah, for a quarter, that's a good deal. <laughs> yeah, back then a quarter would buy something. It won't buy much today. Nope, it will not buy much today. And I told um, one of my neighbors one time when we lived over beyond on the other side of town that I was paying play 35 cents or pedo 35 cents to rake the pine straw or something like that. <laughs> 35 cents, my daddy gives me five dollars. But I never did do that. I didn't think he needed five dollars. Well, and you raised some hard-working children as well. I had to because I know if you're working and doing something, you're not going to get in trouble. If you're not doing anything and you're riding around town. Idle hands. Devil's Workshop. <laughs> you know that. I do know that. Where did you learn that? Probably from you. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Doc that I remember when we were little, I mean, probably even before my youngest brother, Wynn, was born, we would spend the night over here. And sometimes it would be my other brother, Bryce, and maybe a cousin like Heath and me. And if we misbehaved, you would send us out into the yard to pick a switch. <laughs> I pick got, a switch. And my, my sister told me she did that one time. And when her little grandchildren got ready to go, uh, they said, we're going. And they said, you, we go take that switch with us. <laughs> well, some of them didn't know what a switch was. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there are a lot of people who don't know what a switch is. So, what? Well, they, how, how would see, you... school teachers had switches when we went to school. Not anymore. How I know. Would you describe... They need to, though. <laughs> how would you describe a switch to somebody who doesn't know what pick a switch means? The worst one is off the um, peach tree. Cut uh, just a little twig off the peach tree. But I got a rock one one time. I just picked one off the ground. And when I got hit with it, it broke in half. <laughs> of course, I had to go get another one. You so, got hit with it in school? No, this was home. At home? I did get hit with one at school because one time I was in the first or second grade and this girl wanted to play with us and we didn't want to play with her. And, um, <laughs> Grandmommy. And so uh, I said, if you let me switch you, I'll let you play <laughs> with the but the teacher saw me. <laughs> I bet you learned your lesson. She gave me a little taste of it. <laughs> but you know, you don't know what's going through a child's mind, and I had seen that happen. So, <laughs> so now that we've gone through my whole life, your whole life so far, uh, you if, still want to know more? <laughs> well, if you could go back and change anything. Is there one thing that really sticks out that you might go back and change? As far as that goes, uh, my daddy did not. He had a hard time making ends meet. I, and I, if I could go back and, I mean, I couldn't have helped him because I was a child. But um, change things that way I would. That he wouldn't have to work and that he could have gone to college because mm -hmm. he was so smart. Yeah. In his books, even till the day he died, he was still, you know, he would get news magazines and read, you know, the U.S. News and World Report and stuff like that. He was just very interested in the world and 
That's half of me. You're 87. 87. So you've seen quite a few decades pass by. I have. Has aging been what you expected when you were younger? Or did you think about it much? I don't think I thought about it, except, you know what, my parents, I would think about what was going on with them right at that time, and especially when they were having hard times. Mm -hmm. I, I, I did know that I wanted to marry a man that, that could afford to work, you know, had a job and could afford. I did not want to marry a farmer because farmers have to have more faith than anybody else in the world. Faith that this crop that they plant is going to come up. Faith that God's going to send enough rain. Of course, now people have it. Rich people have their irrigation systems. Mm -hmm. But uh, you just, and faith that you're going to, one time when I was about, I think I must have been about the 10th grade or somewhere, a hurricane came through here and blew all of daddy's cotton out of the bowls on the ground. So we had to stay home from school two weeks and pick cotton, wow. pick it up, because that's the only thing we had. I was taking biology, I remember, and I got so far behind in biology, I dropped it. Well, I didn't like it in the first place. Never did like science. I mean, I was all right, I passed it, but as far as dissecting a frog, it <laughs> All that. You weren't crazy about that? I didn't I didn't <laughs> want to do that. So you had to pick cotton and before I sat down with you today I asked my mom if there was anything that she might want to know if I'm gonna sit here and ask you questions anyway and the one story that she brought up which I've never heard either is about the German Prisoners, right, who came to work in your family's they field. The, Is that the peanuts up. Yeah. So how did that happen? Tell me a little more about that. Well, see, we were win in the war, mm -hmm. so we were capturing the, all these German so soldiers. So this is while the war was still going on. Still going on. Okay. Well, it might have been about over then, and uh, so they built a camp in Norway. You know, Norway mm -hmm. down the road. And um, they lived in tents, and they brought the German soldiers there because that was a big farming community. And uh, farmers were planting as much as they could possibly plant and reap. So they brought the German soldiers over here, and uh, you could get as many as you wanted, I think. As many German soldiers as you wanted? To work on the farm. You know, when you had something that had needed to be gathered in. But peanuts was the only thing I remember we had. That they, um, I don't think they picked cotton and stuff like that. Because you got to pick cotton from the time you about that high. To know how to pick cotton and what to do with it. But um, they did pull up the peanuts and stack them on them. You've seen haystacks? Mm -hmm. And well, they stacked them like that so they could dry. And then they, when they got dry, you sold them. Did your family have any interaction with them beyond just having them work? Well, the only one that could speak English was that they had to have one that could speak English to tell them what to do in German. So that's, you didn't talk to them. But we, I wanted to take them to the scuffing on the and daddy said, don't you dare <laughs> to them clean that. <laughs> and 
and I think some of the Norway girls married some soldiers, but they were American, you know, they had American guards mm. to keep them from running away. Well, they didn't want to run away, they wanted to stay over here. Wow, that's just crazy to think that, you know, Norway is a small town. And a big farming community. Big farming community, but still. Back when we were children, you know. But still to think about, you know, a world war and to bring them so far and yeah. this is where they ended up. And Well, they wanted to put, do something because, you know, it's not good for people to just sit and hold their hands. Of course. And it's a lot better to be working on the farm than it is to be in a cell, wouldn't you think? Well, I don't remember being scared of them or anything. They had a mother and a father and a exactly. sisters and brothers and just like, you know, mm -hmm. that's the reason I said I don't believe we would have as many wars if we had a woman president. Because when you start thinking about sending these boys off. I know. And when, you've seen a lot of conflict over your life, a lot of world conflict. World War Two, I wasn't here when we and then when I was in college, we got into it with Korea. Mm -hmm. And just a bunch of boys from campus just went down and volunteered for the draft. Did you have any friends who volunteered? I remember Wilcox Howell volunteered, and they sent him back saying, you've got a bad heart. Yeah, and I remember another one, and he got in a plane crash, and he was killed. That must have been devastating. I mean, even just for campus morale. And, you know, sometimes... They get killed here in the United States. They don't have to go to them. right in the airplane crashes and all. And I had two of my daddy's brothers were drafted: Uncle Laverne and Uncle Wells. And Wells was in the Air Force, but Laverne was in the um, Army, and he went to Korea. And um, my brother-in-law Thurman, mm -hmm. Aunt Marin's husband, he was in Korea. And Jerry, Mary's first husband, he was in the, um, must have been in, what do you call them when you jump out of airplanes? You, you know, use parachutes mm -hmm. and learn to jump. He, he wouldn't, when he was in the army, that's what he What was that like to support your sisters during that time? My sister was practically engaged to Thurman, but she was just a teenager. And it wasn't long before, after Thurman left, that she started noticing men. You know, there was other men, and that was the only one she'd ever dated. Oh. Only one my daddy ever liked. And she got engaged to this boy in Orangeburg. No education, no nothing, you know, just work at a filling station or somewhere. And she brought him out to the house to meet the family, you know. Mm -hmm. And she had a ring, a diamond. And so um, that night after, he somehow or another, I remember they were fooling around and he put Marin over his lap and made like he was going to spank her. And my daddy said, Marin, come with me. And Maxine, you come as a witness. I said, oh my Lord. And he, told, he said, Marin, you can marry Andrew if you want to. I don't care. But don't you ever bring him back out here. And you talk about an uncomfortable situation. Of course, she gave the ring back and thanked her daddy because she was a teenager. And, well, she might have been 18 by then, but she was still a teenager. Very young, yes. 
and to have, you know, sent Thurman off and him in Korea. And he sent her a whole box full of Cremonas uh, one time. Really? And I don't know what ever happened. We just played with them, you know. We put I them bet. On. I bet they were gorgeous. They were. And I don't know what he paid for them. Now, did your daddy like Doc? He did. Well, um, one other thing about my daddy. He used to tell us the best ghost stories. Now, somebody got those, didn't they, and recorded them? I did a ghost story project when I was in elementary school, so still fairly young, and I remember talking, I think, to you, and I, Great Mama may have been alive, and I may have gotten some. I need to find that project. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, I remember them. I remember the crying woman. Tell me about the crying woman. There was a family, and their last name was Davis, and they lived you know, down the road out in the country. Mm-hmm. There's not, but it's next door neighbors almost. And uh, they had a daughter named Margaret. And she was sickly. I don't know what was wrong with her. Of course, they didn't know anything back in those days. And doctors didn't either. They just knew about malaria and, you know, some of those fevers and stuff. And so, um, she had told them if she died, she did not want to be buried in the Davis Cemetery. Well, she died, and my grandmother went up there and helped. They would bathe them and lay them out and just put them in a wooden coffin and bury them. And they would have to do it rapidly because if they didn't, they would decay and you would couldn't stand them. Well, um, they, um, she died and they called the undertaker and they would go take her to the Davis Cemetery even though she didn't want to go there. Well, it started raining and it rained and it rained and it rained. Well, dirt roads were all they had out there in the country. And so the hearse would bog down every time it tried to get, that was, the graveyard is still out there. And Daddy used to go out there and the graves after the coffin rotted, would just sink like this, you know. And my daddy would take his shovel and go out there and shovel dirt to cover the grave up. He was good about that. And um, so anyway, the next day, it was still boggy. They couldn't get out there. And so the third day, I think, when she was getting ready to smell, they just said, well, let's take it to Calvary. Calvary was just as close. And so they dug a grave at Calvary and buried her. And he quit raining. And he would tell us, well, one time then, he was walking back, back to his daddy's place. He used to go down there and go squirrel hunting from our house where we lived in the country. They walked, had to walk past the Davis place. When he got right about to the house, one time he was had his gun on his shoulder and he was walking home. He heard this woman crying, and crying, and crying, and just a crying. And he didn't go to see if it was somebody real or anything, because he thought about Margaret Davis not wanting to be buried. <laughs> and uh, he came home. Now, this was after we were kind of up, uh, you know, 10, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
he scared us to death. Now, we were scared to death to walk by that house after that. <laughs> oh, I bet. Did you... And he told a lot of ghost stories. Not a lot that I can remember now. But that was one. But he would tell us all that stuff about when he was a boy and all that stuff. And he he led, he had a hard... My daddy had a hard life because he farmed, they farmed. His daddy farmed. And he worked. And so when he got in the 10th grade... He quit to help his daddy because his daddy was getting sick. And he didn't graduate from high school, but now Mama went through the 11th grade and not the 11th. No, they added the 12th, didn't they? There was 11 grades back then. Okay. I didn't but I think Mama went through the 10th. And she said um, she didn't try to pass that. I didn't really like school by then, except she said French. She said, I loved French, and she said, we had the best stories in French that we could read, and she said, I love that. Wow. I mean, that's amazing to think about her learning French in a time when, you know, I'm sure a lot of kids didn't finish high school. No, they didn't. Yeah. Well, my mama now, she had a hard life, and they had, they had 12 children when she was home. But her daddy was land hungry. And she said they would have to clean up new ground. And I don't know if you know what that means, but they would cut all the trees and then you would have to go in there and get roots and stumps and... Just the wild land. Right. And so I know it was back in the old days because people would cut down forests and make fields out of them. Yeah, that's some hard work. Oh, I know. I can't, I cannot she she said that was the worst job that she ever had to do on the farm. Was that new ground? And her daddy, every time somebody would lose their farm, you know, because they couldn't pay for it, he would buy it. And he owned bunches of land, but now he wasn't in the slave trade. He just had children. <laughs> he had children to work the lands. Yes. Yeah, Mama said, and Pad would. She called him Pie and Man, and Daddy called his Papa and Mama. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, you know, if that was from where the, they came from in the old country. That Pie and Man? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. What do you think kept Great Mama alive so long? Or, you know, so sharp so long, too? Hard work. Hard work? I do. She was always... she. Did, she didn't like to see you sitting down. She did not, not when you were. She said, I can't believe y'all don't see anything that needs doing. Well, we wasn't looking for anything. <laughs> That's why we didn't see it. She, just, she would say that to us all the time when we would sit down and listen to the radio. We didn't have TV, but we listened to the radio. Well, Grandmommy, we'll end it here. I thank you so much for talking with me. And Wait till you get my bill. <laughs> I did bring you dinner. (laughs) You paid for that. I did pay for that. Well, thank you, Kitty. I appreciate it. I I think we're we're even. Well, as even as we can be. I I think I'm in your debt for all the years that you. Well, if I think think of something else, I'll. uh, You can have all my diaries. I would love that. Yeah, you're you're a prolific diary writer. I always remember that. I remember when I would sleep over here as a kid, I would always like to sleep with you because you would read before bed, and I always loved that. My Bible reading. 
Bible reading, or sometimes you would read novels. Oh, I do. I mm -hmm. still, when I finish my Bible reading. And but, I um, loved that, because I always loved to read, and then you, I remember you writing in your diary a lot, which I also loved, because I loved to write, so. Yeah, um, my roommate in college wrote in my, um, you know, oh, how you sign the annuals and write, so mm -hmm. she wrote, and she said, one thing about you, said you always read your Bible and wrote in your diary every day. But I didn't write but two or three sentences in college. But still I still writing. got them. Somebody said, you went to the movies all the time. And I, you know, every time I went to a movie, I would write, we went to the movies. <laughs> well, thank you for talking with me. Well, you're quite welcome anytime you want to write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day. We'll see. Well, thank you, Grandmommy. Oh, I didn't mean to keep you all afternoon. No, I didn't mean to keep you all afternoon, but I'm sure glad I did. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Grand Project. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and share us with your friends. Special shout out to Jack Barber for being my techie and sounding board, to Gina Janvren for her promotional skills, and Jeff Janvren for all of the love and support. Also thanks to many of my friends and family and to you for listening. Thank you, Grandmommy, for not charging me for your time today. Stay tuned for more Grand Stories on The Grand Project. <laughs>